my Achilles ruptured, full-on rupture. I dropped the floor, I looked behind me, I thought someone came up from behind me and dashed a flipping cricket ball at me. Because earlier we were playing with a cricket ball, a full-on cricket ball on the actual turf. And come yeah. to realize that I looked behind me, no one was behind me, I have full-on ruptured my Achilles tendon, the largest tendon in the human body. You know why I'm doing amazing? I'm doing amazing because the topic we're going to be talking about today, it it keeps me awake, ironically. Is it really? The topic we're doing today okay. is about sleep. Um, now, in the past week, myself and Joseph, we've been listening to a book by Matthew Walker called Why We Sleep. And we listened to it on Audible, and I think it was a really good book. It helped me so much. Um, and... Well, let, let me just give a little intro, if you don't mind. Sure, just a sure, little sure. intro to this topic. I think, as as students, we neglect sleep all the time. And we fail to understand how vital sleep is to the function of, functioning of our body. Um, and this book by Matthew Walker, Why We Sleep, he helps us to realise the significance of sleep, why we need it, and helped me to value my sleep 10 times more um actually you know what not 10 times more 100 times more he himself stated that sleep is a fundamental aspect of our biology um that we can't afford to ignore and yet almost 99 percent of students out there we ignore it from time to time um which really impacts both our well like he said biological functions yeah. um and it can affect how much we learn the following day and probably even weeks after as well yeah so yeah, if you listen if if you guys listen to the rest of this pod then we we will be talking about a why we sleep why we need to sleep um b also some tips and tricks on how to sleep a bit better yeah, how yeah. to go to sleep a bit faster um and also what not to do when you're confronting this issue mm, so without further ado joseph yeah how are you feeling about this topic you know what? I think this is a huge topic in and of itself. And I think, oh, words can't even describe what you guys are in for today. Because not only is this a monumental topic with respect to some of the stuff that I've gone through personally throughout my university experience, but I want to cast you guys with some of the personal anecdotes and experiences in which I've had. And hopefully one day, you know, one day, oh my god, what am I waffling about? Hopefully, you guys, from what I say, as well as Vihash says, can can draw and, and take back pure value and knowledge. Oh, but I really, without that. further ado, but really, really, without further ado, let's dive straight into this. Because personally, after listening to Matthew Walker's book on why we sleep, a quote resonated with me hugely. Hugely, this quote resonated me with that uh, resonated with me 
the most in so many different regards. And I tell you this because this quote is, sleep is one of the most powerful tools we have for enhancing creativity, problem solving, and decision decision making. I don't know what that was. I don't know why I just like <laughs> lapsed there. But this is this is what sleep deprivation does to you guys. You just stumble on your words. It's getting late. It's 9.40. My bedtime is nine. Okay. Uh, again, that's a joke. I'm not actually being serious about this, but really what it is that I'm trying to say is this quote is not only, you know, something that resonated with myself, but this is also one of the most highlighted quotes in the book. And I think there's a reason behind this because of course, Sleep is so integral in so many different respects, but this quote also goes a bit above the beyond what it's already saying, you know, in, in that it's able to enhance creativity, problem solving and decision making. Because in fact, an experiment was carried out about sleep deprivation and cognitive function. And in this study, in fact, participants were kept awake for guess how long? Vihash, you know what? You guess. Guess how long? 20 hours. 36 hours. These participants wow. were kept awake for a mind-blowing 36 hours in length and tested on various different cognitive tasks. And of course, as you know, having a lack of sleep is of course going to cascade into a bigger issue throughout and during the day because any of you guys watching know for a fact if you've had a bad night's sleep going in the following day you're not going to be as sharp you're not going to be as cognitive you know responsive in in what you say and as well as this shorter memory your memory will be slightly impaired and guess what the results translated nothing but what i exactly said pretty much just now Results showed a significant decrease in not only cognitive function, but including impaired memory, attention, and reaction time. Huge. And I think attention is, is bigger now than more, now more than ever because, yeah. um, we have apps like we have with TikTok, YouTube shorts, Instagram reels. These are preying and feeding off of users' inability to stay focused to a particular subject or video for a given length of time, which means that our attention span for a given video is only reducing that's also blowing my mind going off to finish this study this suggests that sleep deprivation sleep de this this suggests that sleep deprivation can have serious consequences for cognitive function productivity and underscores the importance of getting enough sleep bearing in mind this was a study this this was a study that matthew walker referenced in his book and i think this is huge this is an incredibly huge point to raise as students not only for ourselves but also people out in the workplace as well um sleep is so integral in so many different regards so for example you're a pharmacist on whether whether that would be clinical ward or community pharmacist and you're accuracy checking something a lack of sleep the night before could impair your focus and therefore put patient safety at risk and this doesn't necessarily go for pharmacists this goes for any healthcare professional and let's say even a forklift driving because you could go and drop something on someone else you know <laughs> and i i know i'm not meaning that in any way shape or form really but using heavy machinery as well yeah can Dangerous. be catastrophic you know it can genuinely be catastrophic because you know you you really need to be in a, a space or a, a clear mind and be able to think and cop think and cop think and uh, appropriately solve problems i was i was going to say something on the lines of um effectively cognitively solving problems or something like that some waffle um but yeah that's uh, that's kind of what i really want to say I, in that in particular but yeah 
I'm, I'm glad you've actually said that and you've expanded on that quote. Yeah, you've expanded on that quote um, amazingly, actually, because that quote is really powerful. Um, but I think what people are thinking now, what students specifically are thinking now, is they probably have valid reasons why they stay awake. Yeah. So they might say some things, for instance, some things yeah, like, um, I have too much work or there's too much... I don't know, extracurricular stuff, um, homework, uh, revision work to be doing. I have a test tomorrow. I need to cram for that test. All valid reasons, all understandable reasons um, that are prevalent in many different ways. But the issue with um, trading this sort of value for of study for the value of sleep can be a really detrimental um, impact to your life. It can impact like you said your performance the following day so if you do have an exam the following day and you cram the night before just expect the worst the next day. <laughs> that's what, that's all i can say um but it, it's it's an understandable um very understandable as i said before um reason as to why you might neglect sleep in fact two-thirds of adults in developed countries do the exact same thing and mm. fail to reach eight hours of sleep which is recommended by the who um, and this mar- this um, marker of eight hours of sleep, people just say it um, with almost, ban- they say it without understanding the reason why they need to get eight hours of sleep, the reason why they need to get a good eight hours of sleep. Because you can get a really bad eight hour sleep and still be like, oh, I hate eight hours of sleep, so why am I not, why am I not awake today? Because you don't realise... We'll go into all of this in a lot more detail, but you don't realize what actually goes on um, while you're sleeping. Yeah. And another, I think you, you touched on this as well, social media. I mean, it's, it's taken, it's taken like students by storm scrolling till 1am, 2am on social media, social media. It's so addictive nowadays. And as you can only go so far as to blame yourself, um, you can't just be like, oh, I'll just watch one more and then go to sleep because it's not as easy as that they're designed to hook you on um the the system is des- is designed to it's n- make you not switch off the phone which is a really unfortunate thing nowadays uh, and is a reason why people well, students in particular are losing sleep um over this yeah yeah 100 percent, without a doubt and i think perfectly this actually perfectly goes on to what i what i've just been envisioning in my mind revenge bedtime procrastination because the aspect of using social media at night in and of itself i think it's a given you know people people are going to do that sort of thing and i think personally i have done that sort of thing this week i haven't done it as much because i've had a lot of 9 a.m lectures which i've needed to attend but last week in fact i haven't had as much of a workload to deal with so i've kind of taken advantage of that opportunity and ended up actually you know following through with this um, phenomenon of what's known as revenge bedtime procrastination, where people uh, ultimately end up, you know, staying up later at night in order to control their time and make up for any missed time throughout the day, essentially trying to uh, reclaim the, the, the me time. And this is something, this is a huge phenomenon. I think, you know, it's not necessarily resurfacing right now, for example, but this is something which was discovered a while back and something which was published by Frontiers in Psychology back in 2014. Um, this is such a huge thing because not only are platforms so addictive nowadays, I think it's just become such a norm that people just 
just brush the idea off. Oh yeah, social media, social media. But I genuinely、mm, think、yeah. that there is a bigger problem at hand, and it needs to be tackled because this is not only,、um, you know, as students, you know, personally as a uni student, I would say I have been a victim to social media and mindlessly scrolling away. And I can put my hands up and just say that. Vijay, let me ask you this: Have you ever been in a position where you have been in front of YouTube Shorts, for example, and you have just been mindlessly just scrolling away for hours on end? Has that happened? It has happened, but thankfully not at, at、um, my time where、okay. I need to be street,、uh, sleeping. Okay, that's、um, good. That's good. Yeah, yeah, that, 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 that's great. Yeah, yeah like I, I was, I was saying before, you can't really blame yourself, Joseph, can you? It's, it's designed、yeah. that way. It's. But I think you do. There is a point where you need to tell yourself, okay, exactly, this thing is not going to get any better. It's not going to improve me. It might give me what two minutes, three minutes worth of pleasure, but、um, in the long term, tomorrow, do I want to ace that test? Yes or no? If、yeah. you know the answer to that question, then you know the answer to this question. Should you switch your phone off? So yeah, it yeah yeah it it, it in fact、um, someone. A director of behavioural health from CRMP called Nancy DeAngelis, if I'm saying that right,、um, had this amazing quote which st- still sticks with me, and it was: "Social media platforms drive surges of dopamine to the brain to keep consumers coming back over and over again.、Um, all the shares, all the likes, all the comments on these platforms trigger the brain's reward centre." Resulting in a similar high to the one people feel when gambling or using drugs. First of all, the comparison to using drugs and gambling—it just show, goes to show how serious this problem is, and、um, how the, the addictive nature of social media,、um, and how that can really impact our sleep. If you're constantly、um, being driven by all of these likes, all these comments, all these shares, and whatnot. Um, you're less likely to sleep. Your brain is going to be more active at a time where it doesn't. It shouldn't be active. It should be resting.、Um, yeah. And it's which is why I think, guys, if you're watching this video late at night right now, switch it off. You can watch it tomorrow, and then you can go to sleep. I think this is the only time I'm going to say it. And you know what? Matthew Walker said it in his book as well. So I'm going to, I'm going to re-echo that、um, message. If If you're watching any videos at night, switch it off. Go to sleep. Watch it the following day. It's the best piece of advice I think that can be given. Hundred percent, hundred percent, without a doubt. And let me ask you this, Vijay. Like you've previously said, you know, we kind of already touched on social media. Are there any other things where, you know, we as students or even adults, for that matter, in a full-time job, might not choose to sleep or might have trouble sleeping with? Is there anything that could influence that? Yeah. Yeah, of course. So there would be.、Uh, you address this in revenge、um, procrastination. What was it called? Revenge bedtime procrastination. Procrastination.、Sorry. Yeah.、Um, where people feel like they need a bit of me time at the end of the day,、um, and they're not able to achieve this during the day. So at the end,、um, they might, I don't know, binge watch something for an hour or so, yeah, thinking、okay. that they're reclaiming their personal time, which they haven't had time for before. But this is counterintuitive because this is going to impact your sleep、um, in a great big、um, way that you won't realize at the time you're watching whatever it is you're watching or doing whatever it is you're doing.、Um, so binge watching stuff, wanting to have more personal time, all I guess they're valid to an extent, but they're not valid enough for you to be substituting、yeah. that for a lack of sleep.、Um, and yeah, perfect, perfect. But let's intru- let's. 
talk about why we should not neglect sleep the reason why it's so important the reason why we keep telling you guys don't reject sleep it's vital well the book why we sleep by matthew walker did say that a study was carried out by scientists where they looked at airplane cabin um, cabin cabin crew members who frequently uh, fly on long hauls and therefore have little chance to recover and when they studied them they realized that the learning and the memory parts of their brain had physically shrunk which suggests that certain parts of their brains um cells were destroyed completely due to that biological stress of lack of the lack of sleep and obviously this meant that things like the short term memory was severely impaired and other studies go hand in hand with this one and they show that those were typically with a lack of sleep so i e doctors like you said before um pharmacists nurses and pilots um cabin crew members even they are at a higher risk of developing things like cancer and type 2 diabetes um and i don't know about you but i'd rather not have a warm up i don't know about you but i might rather not have <laughs> obviously no one wants these diseases <laughs> um so they- <laughs> These these are these are just some of the more drastic impacts of yeah. um the of the lack of sleep and the more obvious ones might be leading to a lower level a lower energy level the following days plural um how that can have a long-term impact on your organ systems as well how they function um and they also can prevent growth for teens for younger people especially because as we'll unpack later on during your sleep that's when your body's most at work in terms of growth and repair because you have all these growth hormones that are being re- released um at that time when you're asleep so less sleep correlates to less um growth and repair so it can have um huge impacts on those aspects of your life it also cannot does not help with memory retention whatsoever so i know when i was actually studying french um there was a lot to remember so that night when i was studying french cramming I could not go to sleep for like the next hour because my brain activity felt really high at that time because I was just going over everything I'd just learned even if I was trying to shut it all out I wasn't able to because of how much I'd crammed beforehand so it yeah. doesn't help with memory retention whatsoever 100%. um and it also again a bit more on the drastic side can lead to the use of sleeping pills the dependency on sleeping drugs um and also caffeinated substances which we'll look as to why they're not the best solution when it comes to trying to catch up or trying to stay awake um but joseph you're yeah. a final m farm student so yeah. i feel like you're more of an expert in this um <laughs> area than i am could you just explain to us why sleeping pills might not be the best solution or even on the flip side why they might be a better solution Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sure. I think firstly, um sleeping pills I think is a huge umbrella term in and of itself because we are considering both over-the-counter medication which you can f- buy from pharmacies which is conventionally known as what's known as P-line medication. This is what's known as your diphenhydramines, your first generation sedating antihistamine drugs antagonizing the H1 receptor in which has, you know, sedating properties. On the flip side you have what's known as prescription only medication and that would be classified as your you know your melatonin or your uh, Z drugs hypnotic your um, zopiclone okay and these drugs they are slightly they're on the other side of the spectrum as I like to think of them as because this is where you get you know 
consulted by a doctor or a healthcare professional for that matter, and you get prescribed this medication. Um, and of course, first and foremost, if you guys are struggling with with your sleep uh, and this is something that you really want to well, really want for for it to get looked at i highly recommend for you to see a healthcare professional anything in which i say as a final year m farm student this is just you know this is just knowledge in which i gather through my degree but as someone who has taken this over over the counter medication i have not taken i just want to say first and foremost melatonin or any of the z drugs i have taken however over-the-counter medication, diphenhydramine, um, and it comes at two different strengths, 25 milligram and 50 milligram strength um, tablet. And the reason why in which I took this tablet was, in fact, during exam season, uh, I, had, I, in fact, put myself in a trap. I thought, well, I, I did not think, I, I, I ended up falling in a trap of what's known as toxic productivity, of where I thought, you know, doing an all-night study session would help me you know, in a better case of being more productive to get more notes done and in the long term help me successfully, you know, do wonderfully in my exams. Now, although I did do well in my exams, I did come out with a 77% overall in my third year. Doing this, I, I highly recommend against because not only did this affect my sleeping pattern and cause like an irregularity, I resorted to uh, medication, over-the-counter medication to help solve this issue. And this is where where i kind of feel i was at fault personally you know was number one i felt i should have taken more of an approach on non-pharmacological strategies now although despite taking this medication the experience behind taking it number one it affected my quality of sleep i did not feel as let's say um sharp as i usually would do with a perfect eight hours of sleep taking this medication i felt there was a slight hindrance in that respect um, and personally, I would not be taking that again. I would be taking more of an approach with respect to non-pharmacological strategies. And these strategies are like what's known as CBT, so Cognitive Behavioral Therapy, um, as well as this, or I will, I'll be trying to develop on what's known as sleep hygiene. And I'll go on to talk more about sleep hygiene later on and the ways in which you can fall asleep better and faster diet and nutrition my diet during exam season was atrocious i tell you why i was i was eating cheeseburgers from mcdonald's monopoly i don't know i don't know if monopoly was on during that time but i'm pretty sure i was eating cheeseburgers and wrap of the days at 199 something which i recommend against and i felt as though it was in a way to a degree contributing towards my lack and inefficiency to, yeah. to sleep well as well as, I think, my bad habit of snacking, and I did so till quite late, and it wasn't really like small snacks, it would be like a, the odd burger here and there, for example, you know, it, this is not healthy, this is not anything I recommend, and this is really the first time I ever did anything like this, so something again which i recommend against is snacking a lot like having a literally a meal before going to bed in fact and in the in on the flip side for example i would recommend if say you you are going to bed soon i would say have your meal at least three to four hours before you go to bed allow your time to allow yourself time to digest take in that food and you know go to bed in in your own time really and as well as this i think doing carrying out strategies like even reducing the room temperature to a cooler temperature, leaving the window open, for example. But in summary, 
going back to what I've just said about sleeping pills, um, if you guys do struggle with sleep uh, and that's something you really do want it, you know, do want. Okay, Mark, if that's something, yeah, you do want um, for it to get looked at. I highly recommend you guys seeing a healthcare professional and not resorting to pharmacological intervention okay. intervention as your first line treatment because pharmacological intervention should never be the first line of treatment i like to think as a pharmacy student any in anything that i do and any advice that i provide non-pharmacological treatment anything away from medication would be the first line of approach anything that you could do outside of that naturally whether that would be amending your setting improving your sleep hygiene cognitive behavioral therapy probably the most um, evidence-based strategies to help you sleep uh, better and more effectively over taking a pill all day every day uh, but of course consulting your healthcare professional would be the most appropriate thing to do if you guys are struggling yeah but yeah that, that's kind of a thing i just really want to put out to you guys of but course really, yeah Vihas, let me let me ask you this question have you ever been in a situation where you have had to deal with toxic productivity or you have been in a position of you know revising for long hours and length you know i just kind of want to ask yeah so when i i mean this is going sort of into timetabling and how you should go about um spacing out your revision and make sure you don't cram it till the end of the day um but i have not, luckily not been in a really bad position um where i neglect my sleep though more and more often nowadays i find that um my sleep is get. I find it a bit difficult to go to sleep because of the workload um, that I'm getting both from school but also extracurricular activities um, so I think it's inevitable uh, it's inevitable that you will neglect um, your sleep to a degree at some point in your student life um, as with myself but I haven't hit that point yet in brackets um, and I'm glad I haven't because I it, from what it sounds it sounds a bit scary so I think that we can move on a bit now to yeah. talk about how much sleep we need, why we might need that sleep, and let's define some of the terms that we have okay. lost over before. So I said before that people, students, um, let's say, need about eight hours of sleep. Yeah, Eight yeah. hours of, is the recommended. But in truth, um, this varies from person to person. You've got two types of people. Um, you've got night owls who generally make up 15% of the population and you've got morning people who make up, make up um, a slightly higher 45% of the um, population. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you a night owl or are you a morning person, Joseph? Damn, let me tell you one thing straight up. I am, for a fact, not a morning owl. I am a night owl through and through. But once upon a time, I felt like I was a morning owl. And this was when I was younger, like when I was like 10. Yeah, I could wake okay. up and I would feel fine. Yeah. But on the flip side right now, boom. Let me ask you the same question. Are you a night owl or a morning owl, uh, Bihosh? Um, I was actually going to say, I am. I feel like I'm a morning person, but slower. Okay. Or more and more often now I feel like I'm moving towards somewhere in the middle which is where yeah. the majority I think are um, I was actually going to say I think children the reason why you might have felt a bit more like a morning um, person when you're younger is because I think children generally have more energy um, when they're and and it's much easier first of all because you have less um, less commitments when you're a child um, yeah. so you have more reason to sleep than not 
so I think it might be easier for you to feel more awake in the morning because you have more energy as a child naturally, of yeah. course. But now I feel I feel a bit more groggy when I wake up at six. I'll be real <laughs> in the morning. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know if it's my and I, I, what I tend to do is when I have holidays or weekends, I tend to sleep late and wake up late. Um, but I think if 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 I were to go back to being a typical morning person, have their typical routine. I think I'll be able to go into that very easily um, without a problem. Yeah. But I think the whole reason why someone might be a morning person or a night owl um, depends on the circadian rhythm. Yeah. Now, this is a really important... I th- it's almost inevitable that we ad- um, address this during today's topic. But the circadian rhythm is just a physical, mental and behavioral changes that follow a 24-hour cycle, which is controlled by if I can pronounce it, the suprachiasmatic nucleus. Whoa, um, okay. big word. Book, uh, when I first heard this from Why We Sleep by Matthew Walker, um, I was completely bo- um, mind-boggled because I didn't know what he was talking about. Um, but he explained it in a really nice way. He explained why this circadian rhythm um, controls our sleep, the cycles of sleep, REM, non-REM. So, Joseph, could you give us a bit of a definition as to what a REM um, and non-REM is? Just quickly, before I just jump into that, there is something I did want to say about mammalian circadian rhythms. You know, as you said, you know, the super chiasmatic nucleus, I think, wow, big word right there. You know, 24-hour <laughs> body clock, wow. But I think, Crazy. as well as this, I feel like we want to give a bit of a background as to where it's located, that sort of thing as well. I thought that might be cool as well. So mammalian circadian rhythms, you know, are generated by the pacemaker cells, right? And these are found within, as you said, the superchiasmatic nucleus of the hypothalamus, right? Now, you guys are probably thinking, what are pacemaker cells, right? So these pacemaker cells, which I believe to be, I think they are the circadian oscillator cells, right? And as we know, these the circadian rhythm has some degree uh, of regulating and some degree of influence of, you know, our body temperature, metabolism and sleep cycles. This kind of smoothly kind of just sets us up for the stages of sleep that we have because really within sleep, we have four main stages. Three of them are characterized through what's known as non-rapid eye movement sleep, right? So... NREM, right? That's what I like to call it as. Yeah. And within NREM, right, you have N1, N2, and N3. Detailed within N1, phase one, or yeah, however you guys want to call it, we have what's known as theta waves, which are produced during this period of time. Hypnagogic. I don't know if I've said that right. Hypnagogic hallucinations. And you guys probably think, what on earth is Joe saying? Like, gigantic hypnagogic. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, he's waffling. No, no, no. I'm being dead serious, guys. So, so this hallucination is ultimately where you are kind of hearing and seeing things within your sleep. And this is kind of like your light to deep sleep, that kind of area. And before I go any further as well, Within our sleep cycle, each cycle lasts for around 90 minutes in length or duration. As well as, as well as this, we have what's known as hypnic jerks, right? So these jerks are like, let's say you're falling, right? In your dream and you have like, you're like, you kind of move. Yeah. Yeah. You've had that. You've had that. So many times. (laughs) Bro, it is scary as to how yeah. many times that I've done it. Oh my God, it's like you're falling off a building and bang. Oh my yeah. God, kind of like you're, you, you just yeah. wake up and like, whoa, whoa, what just happened? Um, 
yeah, that's that's within your N1 phase, right? Swiftly moving on, N2, right? Within N2, this is your slightly deeper phase of sleep where you're gonna have increased theta waves. Um, but as well as this, you're gonna have what's known as sleep spindles and K-complex waves in this uh, phase of sleep. And this is where it kind of suppresses the K-complex waves in particular, it suppresses um, cortical arousal, right? The ability for you to just kind of like wake up from your sleep, but as well as this, the ability for it to help keep you asleep, right? Because you are going to be kept asleep because of this wave in particular. But also, this will also genuinely help with your your long-term memory. Your, your sleep-based memory consolidation, going into your long-term memory, right? And that's why people say sleep is so integral to making sure that you are consolidating everything that you have learned because sleep based memory consolidation is integral to shifting that kind of like transition between what you've learned uh, let's say whether that would be through active recourse based repetition like we've spoken about in previous podcasts and transitioning to that point of being able to put it into your long-term memory and going into n3 n3 we have our very deep deep stage of sleep you know this is where we're going to have our delta waves and anybody who Vihesh, do you sleep walk or sleep talk or have you done anything like that? Um, I think because obviously you don't know if you sleep. Talk yeah, it's difficult. Not, to say. Think, has anybody has think, anybody said that you've sleep I, sleep sleep talk? I think you said. I think you said it before. That uh, I, I said it. Okay, maybe, maybe maybe I think so. Snoring. Probably I was snoring or something really okay. loudly. Maybe maybe, but I have been told by others that I have talked in my sleep before, and usually this would be within that particular phase. Yeah. Going swiftly on from that, you have REM sleep, right? REM sleep, rapid eye movement sleep. And this is this is where most other muscles are like paralyzed in this case, where most of the dreaming occurs. So it would be quite scary to think that you would be fully active, your muscles are at the ready when you are REM sleeping, because to think that yeah. you are vividly dreaming in a dreamlike state and to do something in that state is whoa, 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 relax. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, but I also like to think of it as a kind of like paradoxical sleep because not only is your brain at it, it not only is your brain at its most active point, but your body is prevented really ultimately from doing anything. Um, but as well as this, I do actually just want to quickly make reference to right the um, the the way in which this kind of sleep pattern works. I've, I've written it down, right? Okay. So you go from N1 to N2. Again, we're still within NREM, right? N1 to N2. Then you go to N3. Then you go back from N3 to N2. Then you go from N2 to REM sleep, right? Then you go from REM sleep all the way back to N1. And usually how long each lasts for depends on number one, how old you are and how long you've been asleep for ultimately. So again, going back to whether you've taken a sleeping pill or the kind of quality of kind of quality of sleep that you've gotten, whether that would be a six hour sleep or an eight hour sleep, these will usually vary in that regard. But as well as this, um, usually the slow wave N3 sleep is kind of the first couple hours and then you have the REM sleep. REM, REM, REM. REM sleep, which would be kind of towards when you would be waking up. So that is why okay. you would be kind of able to recall your memory. Am I correct in saying that, Vihash? You know, would you be waking yeah. up and kind of recalling your memory, right? Yeah, I would be. Yeah, yeah. Oh. 
yeah so as i've said i hopefully there will be a diagram showing this yeah um, i'll be making i just know that down yeah, perfect. Thank you so much. Let me just say That's great right. props to VHS for the phenomenal editing that you guys are about to see. I can't wait. Um, <laughs> but really, um, I, was, I was just going to... Go on, go for it. Uh, uh, sorry for interrupting so rudely, but okay. um, I was going to keep up the whole image side and think, just talk a bit about the circadian rhythm, where we peak, where we might dip. Yeah, um, go for it. And uh, yeah, I can bring up an image as well to help you guys. But essentially... This, like I said before, it's a 24-hour body clock. So if you imagine um, a clock that's showing from zero um, hours to 24 hours, you would see that your deepest sleep is 2 a.m. So that's when you're probably, um, just like Joseph said, um, in terms of your NREM and your REM, this will probably be when your REM is peaking at this point, 2 o'clock in the morning. And then once you get to about um, 7 o'clock-ish um, in the morning, the secretion of melatonin stops, which controls your drowsiness, controls how tired you feel. That stops, so you start to wake up naturally, that is. Right. And if you move a bit more, more further on, 10 o'clock is when you're most alert. So this is when um, you might, if you had a test at this time, you'd probably ASAT test the best than any other time of the day. That being said, around late afternoon, 2 o'clock to about 3 o'clock, that's when you're reaction times um, and all of these physical aspects of your um, capabilities they peak so you would have the fastest reaction time you have the best coordination the best muscle strength so if you want to go gym around three o'clock that would be the best time to do it um, biologically speaking of course and then if we go right down into the evening that's when you start feeling a bit tired you might want some of that personal time um, because your melatonin secretion starts around nine o'clock this is the body's way of saying, start sleeping, start getting ready for bed. As soon as your melatonin secretion starts, you want to start getting ready to sleep. Um, and if you guys can aim for a bedtime around 11, 10 to 11, and wake up about um, 6 to 7, that, that way you're ensuring you get the best quality sleep, the best quantity sleep, and therefore you're um, essentially supercharging your um, alertness and all of these skills that you need um, for the following day. Uh, so that was just a quick rundown of the Perfect. circadian rhythm. Um, Phenomenal. So what, what, the one thing I actually wanted to say is the cycle I just described, this is not applicable to each and every person. Remember we said there's morning people and yeah. you have night owls. For yourself, Joseph, I'd expect that peak um, of alertness and the peak of um, muscle coordination to be a bit later on in the day um, because you're a night owl. For me, for instance, it might match that cycle I just said, but it's really dependent on what kind of person you are and what how you go about living your life. Yeah, 100%, without a doubt. I think you've just perfectly, again, as I've previously said in other podcasts, you have hit the nail perfectly using the hammer, metaphorically speaking. But really, without further ado, you know, swiftly moving on to how we fall asleep, the best way to fall asleep and like, Stay awake? Question mark? Yeah. Visual, kind of like, ooh. Okay. Okay, cool, 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 cool. As I previously said, guys, sleep hygiene. Is this something that I previously referenced to? Non-pharmacologically speaking, the best way to prepare for bedtime. And I think you guys and everyone, whether that would be respect to students or even adults, this is applicable to, I think everybody should have a well-kept bedtime routine. And to have a bedtime routine, I think, is integral because being able to wind yourself down from a very overstimulated state of mind, from scrolling on your phone mindlessly, 
to a point where you've kind of been able to reduce your heart rate, calm yourself down and get ready really for a good night's sleep is going to ultimately not go well ultimately going to get you that not only better quality of sleep overnight but you're going to feel a lot more refreshed in the morning so a nighttime routine is integral to have that good sleep well some of this is going to involve number one avoiding stimulants as rehearsed has previously said caffeine for several hours before bedtime and i think i think this is this is not only integral you know, a couple hours before bedtime. I think studies show that you shouldn't drink like coffee or something before like, um, or after like 3 p.m. because that's like the cutoff point. Because okay. as soon as you consume something like coffee, which contains caffeine, which I believe Vihas, you're gonna touch upon, and I'm very interested to hear about, you know, yeah. caffeine and how it works within the body, you know, the cycle of it. I'm, I'm very interested to know about this. Uh, in fact, we should not be drinking it past a particular time. As well yeah. as this, avoiding alcohol, I think that's a given. I think, you know, as uni students, yeah. hey, people are going to be drinking alcohol. But, you know, me, of course, no, I'm clean and dry. All right. Good, um, good. And uh, I think another big, big thing, you know, before going to bed, exercising regularly, particularly in late afternoon, because I think the ability to do something like that, exert yourself, you know, putting yourself in the um, upper upper heart rate range of like yeah. your 120 to 150 range of really being able to put yourself, push yourself, whether, whether that would be respect to weightlifting, cardio, putting yourself yeah. in that bracket from yeah. between 30 to 40 minutes um, every day at a minimum will not only improve memory retention, but it's also going to drastically improve the quality of your sleep. If yeah. you've got in a really good gym session at in the late afternoon, it's going to, of course, going to cascade into a perfect perfect good night's sleep but i think as well as this allowing at least an hour period to unwind before bedtime and what i mean by this is technology free no screens no devices no light okay maybe lights obviously lights i think we all need lights to see but <laughs> what yeah. i mean is like um so for example i use my kindle sometimes before i go to bed so i use the light on that to read books for those who may not have a Kindle, I think maybe just reading a book before you go to sleep, I think that might be good. Vihash, you know, I'd love for you to expand on this as well. Um, yeah, so I I was I was uh, in a little phase where I didn't really know what to do. And before I went to sleep, I was having a bit of trouble. Um, so I resorted to trying to read before I go to sleep. Yeah. I it, This was really good, but it depends what kind of book you want to read. If you're reading a book which is really technical, a lot of facts, um, and you're learning things essentially uh, I, I would not recommend reading it before you go to sleep because there will be about a five minute ten minute um, uh, part of your reading time before you go to sleep towards yeah. the end where you start to feel a bit drowsy and not much information goes into your head so if you really think about the long-term benefits you're trying to get from reading that book it's not going to be um, much use to you if you're falling asleep um, for a bit of that uh, factual information um, type book but if that being said if you're reading something that's a bit of fun it might be a bit lighter might be I don't yeah. know, something like a murder mystery um, or something that um, interests or piques your interests then yeah. by all means reading before you sleep was a really good way for me um, to wind down and um, feel a bit tired and help me to sleep 10 times better 
yeah i think your point about lighting is a really big one if you have yeah. a bright white light in your face um for a couple hours before you go to sleep sorry a couple hours just before you go to sleep i mean um then it's it's going to stimulate your brain more and you're going to find it harder to sleep which is why these nowadays um computers laptops phones have the night light setting on which yeah. uh, if you're not using it by now i highly recommend you use it it yellows the light um dampens the amount of energy um, wow. you feel when okay. you um use such laptops or such devices so i highly recommend you take into account what kind of lighting you have um before you go to sleep because that will help you get into um the mood um and fall asleep quicker perfect yeah i think you perfectly hit the nail on the hammer hit the nail on the hammer hit the hammer <laughs> on the nail what am i saying okay perfectly before we switch yeah, yeah. and move on there are some things i do want to kind of wrap up with saying with respect to sleep hygiene and that's okay. with respect to keeping the environment of course quiet dark comfortable cool reduce the temperature because of course it's going to be difficult to sleep in a hot environment and typically yeah. we kind of we sleep better evidence has shown we sleep better at a cooler room temperature and therefore yes. setting the scene allowing for you to wind down using these techniques um can be huge and this is something which i highly recommend anybody does before resorting to any pharmacological intervention non-pharmacological yeah. always cognitive behavioral therapy sleep hygiene diet and nutrition um being able to coordinate all these factors effectively will allow for a better and more effective quality of sleep but really my question to you vihash is what is a caffeine crush i've heard of it before but what is it okay um one thing i'll say is before you go to sleep do not drink coffee any caffeinated substance do not drink it do not touch it the reason why is because this leads to what's known as a caffeine crash which is when energy levels fall after caffeine is removed now essentially what caffeine does is it blocks um the receptors which receive adenosine um which is just um your a chemical or substance that tells your body to go to sleep so as this caffeine is building up it blocks the receptors more and as a result adenosine builds up as well and what happens is after the body removes all the caffeine that it's um it taken in the adenosine rushes back in into the receptors and you suddenly get hit by this um truck of tiredness of sleepiness and you feel suddenly drowsiness i've experienced this firsthand a couple of days um ago when i was uh trying to keep awake because i had a late night concert and as a result i had a bit of coffee beforehand i think it must have been about 1 or 2 um 1 or 2 o'clock in the afternoon and the concert oh, yeah, was right. about 7 or 8 and not in the morning don't worry yeah, yeah i was about to say it's on my and what happened at the time about a couple hours afterwards because the caffeine had built up and was blocking my receptors um i had felt awake i was ready for the concert to play and um, to be in the concert then and there but a couple hours after say about 5 or 6 my my energy yeah my energy levels fell drastically my friends could tell that i was tired they were telling me to do star jumps push ups what not and i was just i could go to sleep i didn't feel like being in the concert and it was it wasn't a good feeling luckily um when i was, when i went into um to perform I, i was awake at that time i felt a bit better so i was able to perform well fingers crossed um and i it was not a good experience so i based mm-hmm. off of experience 
I'm trying to tell you guys, do not try to drink coffee um, a couple hours before you sleep. Like Joseph said, the cutoff time is um, late afternoon. Was it one yeah. o'clock? You said. I think it was um, between two or three o'clock. I can't remember. Two exactly, or three o'clock. Around, my bad. It was around that time. Yeah, yeah. So the cutoff time is somewhere between there. If you can um, drink, if you want it in the morning, that's perfectly fine. But late evening um, into the night, do not re- recommend because the following day um, it will. Mm, it is not going to be good based of experience so try not to do it um is the best piece of advice i can give in that scenario is there anything else you wanted to say because i know you're you're a coffee user joseph um have you had any experiences experiences coffee coffee? abuser i think that's the way you should phrase it yeah because in fact i hate to say it guys you know sometimes i say some things but i don't necessarily practice what i preach i'm drinking coffee right now it's getting late. I'm trying to refocus myself. But let me tell you something, guys. I think I am a big fan of coffee. I love coffee. The taste of it yeah. just satisfies me. Beautiful. Just to put it like that. Um, but really, just to put it to you guys, um, I use coffee a lot. I, I I live on coffee. And I don't think that's a good thing, you know, to rely on caffeine every day. But, um, you but know, you, it's... You know the consequences of it. Um, so you're... You're aware that tomorrow you're going to feel absolutely tired, but luckily it's a Saturday, so you'll be fine. You already know how it is. You know, I feel like, <laughs> you know, you just read my mind through and through. So technically, guys, I've kind of put myself in a strategic position where I'm able to go. happily drink my cup of coffee no matter the time and still, you know, live without any consequences. But let me just tell you guys something, you know, drinking a coffee at this time is detrimental to your health and I do yeah. not recommend it. Again, that's a bit of waffle. I just thought I'd throw it in there anyways. <laughs> but, All right, um, moving on. Or not moving on. Um, it's a quick thing. Shall I talk about my uh, Achilles injury for the lack of sleep? Or do you oh, think? Um, let me throw it in there now. Okay, yeah, go throw it in there. All right. Funnily enough, you know, we, we've been talking about sleep for so long, right? But I think a huge thing which I came across in this book was when I, in fact, did not get enough sleep during exam season. And this wasn't this exam season of 2023. This was the exam season of 2022 during pharmacy school, right? This was during my second year. Yes, my second year exams. And what had yeah. happened was I did not get enough sleep. This was Friday the 13th. I'm setting the scene, okay? Because on this day, a drastic and a very, very bad thing happened. And I'll go on to tell you what exactly happened after I tell you about oh, this. So suspense. within this book, within this book, <laughs> um, Matthew Walker talks about sleep for other types of memories. And as we know, muscle memory is actually, you know, of course, brain memory, right? And our brains remember how to do things, okay? So practice is followed by a night of sleep and that makes perfect, okay, cool, okay? And I think that sleep is an insurance policy against injury. There is a phenomenal diagram where in which it shows a graph, okay? where on the y-axis we see the percentage in the chance of injury, right? And on the x-axis we see the average sleep, okay? And as you can see, we go six hours, seven hours, eight hours, nine hours, okay? And and as you can see, the chance of injury obviously goes up. It's directly proportional. The chance of injury is directly proportional to the lack of sleep, okay? So the chance of injury increases 
you know, with the lack of sleep that you get. So if you've got a six hours, six, six hours amount of sleep or whatever amount, you are going to have an increased chance of injury. While we are on this point, during exam season, I just don't get enough sleep. And I decided for some reason to go out and play football with my friends this day. <laughs> In fact, this would be a day that I would be dreading to regret because not only did I have an exam after this day, or not this day, a couple days after this incident, I had to live with the anxiety and pain inside of me that I prayed in which I did not have to sit any resits. It was terrifying, but thankfully I passed everything. It was no problem the second year. And I also passed everything in the third year. But the point in which I'm trying to make right here, right now, is the injury in which I got not only did I run faster than the speed of light, okay, <laughs> in this absolute stretch, I'm a deadly winger. I was running blitzingly fast down the wing. I didn't even have the ball on me. No one, no one even touched me. I just, my Achilles ruptured, full on rupture. I dropped the floor. I looked behind me. I thought someone came up from behind me and dashed a flipping cricket ball at me. Because earlier we were playing with a cricket ball, a full on cricket ball on the AstroTurf and come yeah. to realize that I've looked behind me, no one was behind me, I have full on ruptured my Achilles tendon, the largest tendon in the human body. Oh, I could, I could hear it. I could hear it. I was in shock. I, there was so much adrenaline pumping through me that I could, ah, oh, words can't even describe what it is that I was feeling that day. I'm going to hopefully insert a couple of images. So Vihush, sorry, Vihush is hopefully going to insert a couple of <laughs> images of me being of an course, absolute, got absolute disabled weapon right now. Okay. <laughs> um, but, in fact, you know, it was a long rehabilitation process. I have had to take yeah. what's known as Daltaparin, hopefully, in which you'll see right here, Daltaparin, which is uh, the brand name Fragment, 5,000 units in which I was taking taking for prophylaxis DVT, um, which is what you get deep vein thrombosis where, where I had like edema formation around my ankle uh, and where in which they took the cast off. So I had a cast uh, put on me on the day in which I had ruptured my Achilles. After being seen, I think like, I got seen by the doctors when I went into A&E on Friday the 13th of May 2022, I believe 8 hours or something ridiculous like that. Like oh, I was seen at like 6am, 7am in the morning. Oh, I was yeah, thinking, I oh my gosh, it was crazy, it was wild, I had shoulder crutches, uh, I was not doing good that day at all, you know, so I really, really struggled, but nonetheless, you know, all in all, I am fine now, but from that, when I got back to Oxford a couple, a, a week or two of having the, this plaster of Paris, Paris cast on, when they took it off, right, guess what, Vihash? Not only did I have a dip in the segment of where I ruptured my Achilles, right? It looked incredibly fragile, but I could see slight edema formation. Okay. Uh, that would be what's known as like tissue fluid accumulation around the ankle because of the lack of movement essentially putting me at risk of what's known as DVT stasis of blood ultimately and um, you know blood would coagulate in that area it's what's known as Verkhaus triad Ver Verkhaus triad in which you know would cause what's known as blood coagulation DVT etc etc um, long story short I was given prophylaxis so that was the light molecular weight heparin which was the um, deltaparin against this so when the nurse showed me I needed to take subcutaneous injections I I did not like the sound of that. She said I needed to self-administer this every morning. Oh my, my mouth dropped. I was like, I was in awe. I was astonished. I was, 
Words can't even describe how I felt in that time because I had to, essentially, I had to wake up, stab myself with a subcutaneous injection. You know, I, I, I hide that out to be something crazy, but I'm not really that big, big of a fan of needles. But I got used yeah. to it. I woke up, pinched that belly of fat, boom, popped that um, subcutaneous injection inside of me. And that was really bad hit. But I had to do that for like, what, 20 days or something. I can't, I can't remember exactly the, the, the course of... Um, therapy I had to follow exactly but yeah. I had a sharp spin so after disposing of it I had to do everything within proper technique you know they, they showed me everything and as a student going through something like this it was it was good to see that I was technically also learning from this experience although I was living through it uh, it was yeah. good to kind of reflect upon it in that stance but going back to it I've kind of detailed all this injury all this sort of thing but going back to it guys uh, going back to it guys you guys need to get good sleep or you're going to end up like me in that day and potentially rupture your Achilles. You know, I'm not yeah. saying you guys will, but, you know, that was a fun it's... little side story I thought I might enlighten you guys with. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's, I mean, that is extremity <sighs> of extremity. It's, it's, yeah, I don't, yeah, 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 it's, it's crazy. crazy. It genuinely, it, genuinely. It just highlights what we've been saying before um, and it gives you all the more reason to go to sleep. So with that being said, I think we should wrap this up um, and allow these viewers to sleep because this would be the best time. As Matthew Walker <laughs> said, as Matthew Walker said, do not neglect sleep um, because it's the most fundamental aspect um, yeah. to your biology. 100%. Do not 100%. ignore it. Um, and do you, do you, I just want to ask, um, do you have any key messages or values yeah. that you took away from this book? I do want to say one big thing. Ultimately, this is what Matthew Walker has put as his favorite quote. And I believe it was that the best bridge between despair and hope is a good night's sleep. Thank you very much, guys. BSP in and out. Thank you so much for watching. And I hope Take you care. all get a good night sleep tonight. All right. Until next time. Until next time. Take care, guys. <laughs>